In the beginning, there was darkness. Then, there was Paul Brown. Paul Brown transformed the game. Hello, Paul Brown here. Welcome to the first ever International Browns Podcast. Good evening, Cleveland. It's bye week time. We're getting excited for the Pats. I'm traveling out there on Saturday to Boston, and I'm here with the one, the only, the only person in the world that does a Browns Daily Mock Draft every single day. It's Browns Daily Mock Draft. How are you, Stephen? I'm good, Paul. Thank you. That's the nicest way anyone has ever called me insane. I appreciate that. No, thank you very much. And uh, I enjoy looking at <laughs> on Twitter when you put up your uh, screenshots of your uh, drafts. I get super excited and thinking it's draft season coming up in, let's just say, six months maybe? Yeah, we're like six months out. Uh, but, you know, it starts, uh, starts in earnest in January. And then you got the weirdos like me that do it all year round. So, yeah, it, uh, it's never too early to start, especially now that we've got uh, – you know what, half of a college season, give or take, of, of tape on these guys. So all of the, the summer projections can be thrown out the window and we have actual stuff to look at. So it's going to be a good one this year too because uh, uh, I think the strengths of this draft uh, match up pretty well with what we are currently anyway are, uh, are looking to improve. So if you're a listener and hate talking about the draft, your view is we should be winning right now, switch off now. But for us... <laughs> ex Sashi Brown lovers, Jack Duffin especially. I thought it's good to, you know, we're ninth, if I'm correct at the moment, on the uh, draft board. I know that's going to change, but uh, at the moment we're ninth. So uh, it's very important that we keep thinking about the future of our club. Yeah, and at ninth, and I agree with you, I don't think they're going to stay there. I mean, if they're picking in the top 10, then this season will have gone completely off the rails they shouldn't be uh but as it stands at the moment they're picking ninth which means they are in range of just about anybody uh, uh you know outside of the quarterbacks and probably chase young um but you know we're looking at tackles so the andrew thomases and and, and the tristan Wirfs of the world are they're within range you know maybe a small trade-up uh, uh depending on where they end up if if they're ninth um and i don't think anyone I don't, I don't think anyone that's paid attention can disagree that uh, as of this moment, October, whatever it is, tackle is uh, the number one need. And it's a good tackle class, which is good. Can you see us going for a tackle round one and a guard round two? Um, it, it, it would depend on – I really don't think that, that a guard uh, is on their radar that high at this moment. Okay. I think – uh, obviously, Betonio is set on the left, and I think that the guys that they picked up, they think they have the right guard of the future uh, in that room somewhere, whether it be Wyatt Teller or Drew Forbes. And I know they really want Forbes to work out at tackle as well, but you know they had run him at guard before he got hurt. I think they have the right. They, I think they think they have the right guard uh, in house somewhere. So I would think tackles, and in, in, if you're going to go, we've got four picks on day one and day two I think two of those are probably going to be tackles now if you're going to tell me that a guy like a, a, a Creed Humphrey or, or a Tyler uh, Beatish or somebody like that is still around at our second pick 
who can play center or guard. Now you could talk me into that because those those two guys are a couple of badasses. But I, you know, I don't know if they'll last that long, and I don't know that they would go ahead and do that. But it, you could talk me into it at that point. Yeah, I was just thinking maybe with the call pick gone. Now it's time to replace that player with some high draft talent. But what about a, a tackle round one and a tackle round two? Uh, definitely one of the ways that you could easily make an argument for them to go that way. I, I think as we sit here today, uh, uh, my opinion is that tackle and safety are probably their two uh, uh, biggest needs. And that's with the assumption that you know they're not going to re-sign Randall um, because th- they have made no moves in that direction. I would like him, him back, but it doesn't look like they're going to do that. And if, if they don't, then, you know, it becomes a pretty big hole. So I would be very surprised if two of those first four picks tackles in some order, and at least one of those is a safety. Uh, now the other pick, you can make a case for, uh, uh, you know, several uh, different positions. I think in a couple of my mocks, I've actually picked two tackles and two safeties with those first four picks, which, you know, you could easily make a case for it. But I mean, if you're looking at, at the second round guys, in the second round range at this moment, uh, as far as tackle goes, you're looking at Alex Leatherwood. Uh, you're looking at Jedrick Wills from Alabama, who I think is actually going to rise into the first round. Uh, uh, Prince Tega Wanogo at, uh, at Auburn has a lot of fans. Um, you know, uh, Lucas Niang from uh, TCU is in that range. Um, and there's a couple other guys that, you know, you could make a case for on day two in the second or third round. But I mean, if you let, let's just, you know, hypothetically, let's say they could get, you know, Tristan Wirfs with their first pick. And then at their second pick, um, you know, Jedrick Wills is sitting there from Alabama. Um, you could easily, easily talk me into that being our first uh, two picks at this point, you know, and obviously we've got free agency and yada, yada, a long way to go. But as we sit here today, if those are our first two picks, I walk away and I'm a happy man. You've mentioned safety, and uh, my first thoughts were, okay, we may need one safety, pending what we do with Randall. My view, Uh actually, on Randall is I'm scared that he's going to want too much money for what his actual value is. I don't know if you feel that. Yeah, that seems to be the way it's trending. And, and, you know, I mean, obviously none of us are in that building, but, the you know, the smoke signals and the words that leak out from our mutual friends who know people who are in that building seems to be that's the way it's going. Uh, Demarius Randall's playing well, I think, but from the sounds of it, he's asking for top tier safety money. And I don't know that they're going to give it to him. Um, in which case, like you said, then I think we would need to, uh, unless the season completely craters, I don't think we're going to be in range for a Grant Delpit or a Xavier McKinney. Um, but, uh, it's a pretty good safety class on that day two range. You got Brandon Jones and, uh, uh, Ashton Davis out of California, Reggie Floyd out of Virginia tech is a guy. Uh, that I really like. He's big and fast and rangy. Um, plays a little by the seat of his pants sometimes, but I really like what he brings. Um, the kid from Florida State, um, uh, Nazaldrine, and I'm sure I'm butchering the, the young man's name, and I apologize if he hears this. I, I like the way he plays, but they just had a similar he's, – he's seen as more of one of those safety linebacker hybrid types. And so one of the questions going through the process appears to be that he's going to be, does he have a position? Where do you play him? All that kind of stuff. And since they just went through this with Jabril Peppers and the current regime jettisoned him, I, I don't know that they would go that way. The kid's got game. I like him a lot and he's in that range, but 
I don't know that he would necessarily be on the Browns' radar uh, for that reason. And then you go down a little bit further, um, there are some late day three or late day two and early day three guys. Both of the kids from Georgia, Reed and 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 uh, LeCount, have fans. Uh, Antoine Brooks from from Maryland has a lot of fans. I like Antoine Winfield Jr. out of Minnesota. That's a name that's going to be familiar to a lot of Ohio people because uh, his dad played at Ohio State uh, back uh, you know many years ago when I was actually young. And he's been having a hell of a year up in Minnesota. Uh, only a redshirt sophomore, if I correctly recall. But if he declares right now, he's valued in that early day three range. That could be a place you could easily go uh, for your second safety if that's something uh, that you wanted. And then way down deeper, a guy I've mentioned uh, a couple of times, uh, very athletic, kind of a project, uh, but has some fans in draft Twitter is uh, Nigel Warrior from uh, from Tennessee, had an interception against Alabama the other night. Um, very, very athletic, very, very fast, uh, big, strong, hits like a truck. Um, uh, we'll, we'll need some coaching up. He's got, uh, he's considered by draft people, as you know, sort of an athletic project, but if you wanted to go a little further down into day three, that's a guy I would be very excited in about from the fifth round on, uh, if he stays in that range. Steven has Dorsey got history of taking safeties high up, do you know, because he's got red wine, obviously Randall, if he gets extended, Maury, Whitehead, we've got quite a young safety room there coming through yeah uh but they're they're not really doing all that much i mean burris has played well um and, and as far as dorsey's history uh first of all quarterbacks you know he likes to take them high uh but if you take quarterbacks out of it as a general rule he seems to favor fat guys early fast guys late um you know that's not completely exclusionary obviously uh, you know 100 percent, but he seems to like to take you know, the, the big uglies earlier on and then and then trust his instincts to find the athletic guys uh, later. Um, and so with the safety position, I, I don't, has he, we, we picked what, fourth, fourth round we picked red wine last year, fifth round, something, it was day three, I remember that. So, you know, I don't know, like you said earlier, it depends on what they do with, uh, with Demarius Randall. Uh, if they bring him back, you can sort of push it on down on down the needs list. If they don't, then I would think at least one of those day one, day two picks uh, will be in the, on the back end of the defense. So if we go with tackle safety, biggest needs, where would you say the, the next biggest need is? Um, well, interior defensive line depth is still an issue. Uh, it's better than it was last year. Uh, you know, the guys that are there now are, are giving some, you know, quality snaps, but they're not, they're not pushing it. Like, you know, you, you would really want, um, so a guy like a Neville Gallimore or, um, um, uh, oh, who's the kid down at, um, oh, I'm totally blanking on his name at, uh, LSU, uh, Glenn Logan down at LSU. I don't know why he's valued so low, uh, but I really like his game. Um, uh, Matt Abuike at, uh, at Texas A&M is somebody, uh, in that early day three range that, that you could, uh, that you could make a case for. Um, you could also go with tight end, depending on what they do with, uh, with Najoku. Personally, I think uh, I'm a Najoku fan. Um, but as we've said, the, the door from the previous regime has not been terribly difficult to figure out. So if, they, if he goes, then tight end has to be an even. There's a few uh, in this. It's not like the class that we just – this was a great tight end class that just went by. Uh, but there are some guys – uh, in that late day two, early day three range, a Hunter Bryant from Washington. Uh, if you can uh, uh, get yourself right with his medical, 
uh, history. Jared Pinckney from Vanderbilt, uh, Mitchell Wilcox from South Florida, uh, and uh, Cole Komet from Notre Dame seem to be guys that could step in and as much as a tight end can give you some decent snaps right away. It's a very slow developing position. There's one person we mentioned as a linebacker that I think we've forgotten about, and that's uh, third round Bengals pick Malik Jefferson. And uh, I think we all expected him to do a lot better than he has done with the Bengals and actually not playing with the Browns now. Yeah, I, I don't know that he's seen the field outside of uh, special teams, except for more than a few snaps. If he has, I apologize. I just don't remember him, him doing much. Uh, his, his thing through the whole process was, um, you know, when he was coming out of Texas was just, you know, unreal athlete, but, you know, doesn't really trust what he sees with his eyes. His instincts were slow. He, slow, he was a slow processor. Uh, at least that's what I remember now off the top of my head. And that has proved to be the case. Now, you know, like you said, he was in Cincinnati. So, you know, you come out of Cincinnati, who knows if it was you or Cincinnati <laughs> that went wrong. But uh, since he came over to Cleveland, uh, I, I don't recall seeing him. Um, I mean, maybe outside of situational pass rushing and special teams, I don't know that we're going to see much. That's another place that they could go uh, in, in this draft earlier than some people think, uh, depending on what they do, again, uh, with Joe Schobert. If they bring him back, I think they're pretty much set at the position, to be honest. Uh, but if they don't, and I don't know why they haven't re-signed him by now, then, uh, you know, the Troy Dyes and the Patty Fishers and the, you know, maybe the Marcus Baileys, those kind of guys uh, uh, could be on our radar come April. Because we've got Kirksey as well. Is he run out this year or next year? I think it's next year, isn't it, Kirksey? Yeah, Kirksey's uh, – uh, I, I like Kirko a lot, but the injury, I mean, I think it would be an upset if he is on the 53 next year uh, in Cleveland, as, as far as I'm concerned. Um, I like the guy. I like him as a player. Uh, I don't think he's going to be back. Uh, I think they've, uh, they like Mac Wilson. Um, uh, Taki Taki has been pretty much what I expected the night we drafted him. I, a nice player, but I didn't think he was a third round pick. I thought they, they overpicked him by about a round, uh, and he hasn't been able to get on the field. Now, if they love those two guys more than they're letting on for next year, then maybe linebacker doesn't come into the fold. But, you know, just for me looking at it, I, I don't know how you can go into what should be a contending year next year. You should be looking at it as, okay, we are really shooting for the moon this year and have those two inexperienced guys as the, you know, the middle part of your defense right there. That's such an important part of your defense. Now, again, we could, you know, we could go out and, and pick up some free agents and I, to be honest, I haven't really dug into the free agent market that uh, yet. I think Corey Littleton is up again, a guy that I know you and I both liked uh, this past year before the Rams uh, gave him the one year deal. Um, but, yeah, I, I don't know. I, it's going to be interesting to see what happens here in the next nine days. Uh, and then, again, once the trade deadline passes, what they do with Joe Schobert and uh, David Njoku and Demarius Randall and Rashard Higgins, who we haven't talked about, uh, what are they going to do? These are all guys that most of us like and would like. we think they contribute and we think they should be back. But if they're not, it opens up a whole world of, uh, of possibilities as far as free agency and the draft yeah okay so after linebacker where do you think our next position of need would be boy let's see tackle safety linebacker uh interior defensive line depth um i don't know that there's another need that you know that you would qualify as you know we have to find somebody at this spot but uh taking a corner or two every draft is always a good idea you can never have 
you know, uh, uh, too many cover guys. Um, there's a lot of uh, very athletic wide receivers that are going to be down uh, on day three this year. And Antonio Gandy-Golden type might be okay. Uh, not Again, not that they need anybody in that wide receiver room. But after that, I don't, I don't really know. Maybe you could, uh, another uh, pass rusher, maybe another edge, you know, a day, day three edge. Uh, somebody like a Bryce Huff out of Memphis or uh, Alex Highsmith out of Charlotte, who I really liked as a small school sleeper. And then Dame Brugler did a, uh, uh, right up on him and he's sort of moving up the board. So he's not going to be a sleeper, uh, much longer. But, uh, other than that, I, I don't know that, you know, quote unquote need it's, it's all depth at that point, which is a good, it's a, it's a good thing to have. Well, let me take this uh, podcast a bit off piece. How would you rate this, uh, draft this year's draft, the Browns draft? This one that just came that that just passed. Um, well, you know, Mac Wilson has played uh, uh, better than uh, than I had anticipated. We, um, I, 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 let me put it this way: I think they're doing okay. Uh, I, I thought Taki Taki was overdrafted. Um, I liked um, the greedy pick at in the second round um, because I, that's about where I thought he was going to be. I know we haven't seen much of him. Uh, or Cybert has been, I mean, I don't know how anybody can complain about what Austin, I never like to use a pick on a specialist, but I mean, the guy's been absolute money since the lights went on in the regular season. So you can't really say anything about it. And Drew Forbes, I really think that they think he is either the right guard or the right tackle of the future. And if you can get that at, you know, in the, what we get in the sixth round, 184th or something like that, if you can get somebody that's going to start for, you know, five to seven years at that point in the draft, that's a hell of a steal right there. So, I mean, it's, it's too early. You got to wait at least two seasons to, to talk about what a draft class is giving you, but so far more good than bad, I would say. Yeah. It's quite interesting because I would definitely say that greedy potentially looking like first grade talent. So that's a, a great uh, pick. And then yeah, tacky tacky, like you said, Maybe that's a minus one, maybe a round four talent he's showing. Red wine, yeah, once again, I think a lot of people are really uh, questioning that pick. Yeah, Mac Wilson looks like a third round pick, maybe. Is that fair? Yeah, he's playing pretty well. I mean, he's playing like a, a, you know, a rookie. I mean, he's making some rookie mistakes. Um, but they're, uh, one thing I like from Wilson is most of the mistakes that I have seen and have seen broken down by you know, the good uh, film breakdown people out there, you know, Jake Burns and Brendan Leister and what have you, they seem to be mistakes of aggression, which is, you know, over pursuing, getting to something a little quick, you know, um, falling for a fake and getting a little out of your, your lane, that kind of stuff, which is just rookie stuff. I mean, it's, it's, it's stuff that he's going to learn over time to sort of slow down just a little bit and be sure of what he's seeing. But I'd rather have a guy much like you'd rather have a quarterback that's taking too many, you know, chances and have to rein him in a little bit. I would much rather have my, you know, a linebacker being too aggressive in that way and have to pull him back and calm him down and, and, you know, slow him down half a step than have somebody who just doesn't know what they're looking at and is always half a step late. I, uh, I think getting him in the fifth was, uh, if he continues to progress the way he is, uh, will end up being a definite positive. I agree. And uh, yeah, red wine and tacky tacky, obviously a third and a fourth pick. I would like to see him a bit more on the field this year, but it is what it is. Maybe now that we're just going to let him develop over time. 
Well, and the other thing with uh, with Sione is uh, they're running a lot of a lot of uh, of two linebacker alignments, uh, and you know that's Joe and Mac. So you know they're, he's sort of getting squeezed out just by a simple numbers game there. So, but yeah, you definitely would like your top hundred picks to be on the field more than we have seen from uh, Sione and uh, Shelter Woodwine. But it's far. I've seen. Not many, but a few people out there writing them off, you know, you know, using the bust and wasted pick. It's way too early for that kind of talk. And I don't think they're trending in that direction, uh, to be perfectly honest with you. Um, I still like the, the long-term potential of Donnie Lewis, too. He's still in the practice squad. And the guy had uh, ball skills for days at Tulane. Um, and I'm wondering just how much the foot injury is still holding him back this year. Uh, crowded corner room as well, but that may change this offseason. So I wouldn't write Donnie Lewis off just yet either. All right, then let's go super off piece. What do you think about the 2018 uh, Browns draft pick now that it's matured over uh, a year and a half? Well, I mean, it's, yeah. I mean, we can say what we want about uh, about all the rest of it, but it, it, the 2018 draft will go as Baker goes. I mean, if Baker continues to develop into what we, and I do still think he is the guy, if he continues to develop into the franchise quarterback uh, that we all thought he was, then, you know, that's a great draft. (laughs) I mean, you know, you get a franchise quarterback, you can miss on the other five picks and, and it won't matter. Uh, Denzel Ward had a great rookie year. Uh, The injuries are starting to become concerning. If he can put that behind him, um, you know, that's a, that's a, a great pick right there. Corbett, I don't think we need to go into that. That was a miss. We're acting like it's the end of the world. It's the He's far from the first, second round pick to flame out. I think what's more frustrating about the Corbett pick is the other guys at that position who were still sitting there at that time. You know, your Will Hernandez and those kind of guys. Um, it was such a shocking pick. Uh, Nick Chubb, I don't think anybody, uh, and, you know, especially since Jack is in here, can argue with Nick Chubb, the Nick Chubb pick. Antonio Callaway, it's still... Antonio Callaway is pretty much in the exact position he was when they picked him as far as is he going... All the talent in the world, it's all right there in front of him. It's just a matter of getting his head on straight. If he does, he can do some great things in this league. And if he doesn't, we're going to continue to see what we've seen, the inconsistencies, and you just can't rely uh, on him. Chad Thomas has been talked to death. Um, Jannard Avery not playing is baffling to all of us. I love that pick. I championed that pick. I was shocked we got him that late at 153 or whatever it was. And then Ratley has contributed uh, what you would want from a sixth or seventh round pick. You know, like we, like I said at the beginning, it's no secret. As Baker goes, so goes not only that draft class, but probably, you know, John Dorsey's entire regime. That's what happens when you take a quarterback number one. You're putting the entire franchise on his shoulders. I think Baker can handle it, but, you know, if he doesn't, yeah, watch out. Yeah, there's still, we um, remember we took Ward fourth, you know, if, if that pick doesn't pay off, you know, that could put a lot of pressure on Dorsey as well. Yeah, but not as much as, you know, if Baker were to fail. I agree with you. I, what you're saying, you never want to miss on the number four pick, but I mean, it's not like it was a, you know, a shocking pick that everybody was like, oh my God, I can't believe they picked, you know, it was basically going to be Denzel Ward or Bradley Chubb or, you know, a trade down at that point. That was it. Those were the only picks. So, you know, if you miss on a guy that everyone thinks is worthy, you know, then you can't do anything about it. I mean, some, the draft is a gamble, you know, you never know. These are 
19 to 22 year old kids. You have no idea what's going to happen when they step into a man's league. So missing at four on a guy like Denzel Ward. Yeah, it's problematic, but you can't blame him because he was worthy of the number four pick. Now, if it was Austin Corbett at four, then, you know, that's a whole different story. But uh, uh, yeah, as Baker goes, so goes uh, the reputation of this regime. And uh, Stephen, how are you finding the Browns so far this season? What's your verdict? Well, I don't think uh, I don't think my opinion will be any different than yours or anybody else that's that has followed it and has been talked to death. They are just frustrating as hell because everybody's saying at this point, oh, they were overhyped. They were overhyped. They were they were not overhyped. The hype was legitimate. You look at them on paper and you look at the talent and the way they play at times in spurts. All of that hype was was legit. We had reason to believe that they could make a run. You know, I mean, there were holes, but there's talent all over the field. They are good enough on a pure talent level to play with and beat anybody in this league. And they have shown also that they are young and inconsistent enough that if they don't play up to their potential and, you know, take a machine gun to their own feet 40 times a game, they can be beat by anybody in this how they lost by 30 to Tennessee is I will never understand how, how that game got that far out of hand um, I, it's not out of reach yet um, the schedule eases up it's not a cakewalk like some people are trying to make it out to be but it definitely eases up there are more teams that do things that we match up well against uh, coming up the second half of the schedule so even if they don't go into Foxborough and win which is a tall order it's still not over. Um, uh, Jeff Risden said earlier that today that eight and eight could very well get uh, a wild card in the AFC. And I think he's right. So, and I think eight wins, eight to 10 wins is still on the table, even if they lose in new England. So as frustrating as they have been, there is still hope unless they go out and just get, you know, the doors blown off of them and suffer some made some more major injuries. What's coming up and who's coming back to the lineup. They're getting healthy. They're getting more weapons. Um, the starting corners are coming back. They're going to get Njoku back. They're getting another running back back. They're getting all these guys back. It, it's still there, and they could still make a run. And then once you get into the playoffs, anything can happen. So, uh, I don't, again, I don't think it's any different than anybody else's feeling. It, it's different than in the past where two and four was about the best we could hope for. You know, I've seen people say, oh, same old Browns. No. If they were two and four in years past, you'd look at them and go, okay, well, that's, that's it. They're, they're a two and four talent team. This is not the same old Browns because they're not a two and four talent team. They, have, they should have at least four wins, probably five. That's why it's so frustrating um, because it's, it's not like they can't do it. They're just not putting it all together for stretches that cost them games. It's not that far away, but what makes it ultra frustrating is it's the same distance away that it was a month ago. It does not appear that they're getting any closer to putting it all together in totality. I mean, they should have beat Seattle last week. Absolutely 100% should have beat Seattle last week, no doubt in my mind, and handed that game away. Uh, they, can they go into Foxborough and win? Yes, I think they can. But I have picked them twice in against big games and they uh, big teams and they've come up short uh, twice against the Rams and and the Seahawks in games that they should have won. So I'm not going to pick them again. <laughs> I'm I'm out of that business. I'm going to say prove it. I'll believe it when I see it. Uh, I'm still happy. I'm still looking forward to it. I think the long term outlook is still great, uh, potentially great. Um, but right now it's it's a slog. It's hard to go through. Mm. 
and uh, we missed each other in New York. We were both at the same game, but we didn't meet. What happened there? Uh, well, I saw you and I hid. Oh. <laughs> I'm kidding. I didn't even know you were there. I didn't know. Uh, there was like four or five of us there, actually. Uh, and I found that out as I was, you know, going through the game, trying to tweak pictures from my seat. And I saw on my feed there were four or five other people there. And I didn't know. I didn't know. And I was there for... You know, my dad's uh, uh, 70th birthday, it was kind of a big deal, me and him and my brother. So, you know, we were doing family stuff for most of the day, so I wasn't paying attention. Uh, I do plan to be in town. We were talking about this off air. Uh, I plan to be in town uh, for Buffalo, Pittsburgh, back-to-back -back, uh, coming up here in a few weeks. So I would love to get together with some of the Cleveland folks on that Saturday night, maybe grab a beer downtown or something like that. And I'm trying to go to Arizona since it's out here by – on the west coast but uh, i'm not sure if that's going to work out or not yeah let's try and do beers on a saturday night and get some uh maybe try and get jake burns down or pete smith and some other guys yeah that, that sounds fun i would love to get together with everybody and have a couple of beers excellent and uh steve where can people find you uh easy at brown's mock draft it's real simple uh that's the best place to do it uh our mutual friends excuse me uh, uh anthony jokey and jack uh, mccurry have uh started a new website, dog.land, and they're hosting the, the Daily Browns Daily Mark Draft Experiment there. Uh, they put every single one up. Um, they're as crazy as I am, apparently. Uh, but if you want to follow me and, uh, and tell me I'm wrong about everything Browns-related, at Browns Mock Draft is the easiest place to do that. And last, last question. What's your score prediction for Sunday? Oh, gracious. Um, well, let's just say that this is before the Monday night game. So if there are any big injuries, but for the Patriots, this could change and uh, lose a, a, another frustrating one. I must say something like 27, 24 uh, right in there, because I think they can move the ball. think that Tom Brady is going to find the holes that we have. Well, I mean, Tom Brady's going to be Tom Brady. Let's just put it that way. And if you're not tight on defense and they haven't been all year, He's going to pick you apart with a thousand little uh, paper cuts. And it's uh, winning in Foxborough is a tall, tall order, but I think they can do it. I don't think they will. Um, so I will get crucified for that probably, but I'm going to say they go down 27, 24, 27, 21, something in that range. Yeah, I think I'm going to go big. I'm going to go with Browns win 28, Pats 23. I'm with you. I hope I'm wrong. I hope you're right, my friend. I will happily admit I'm wrong. Excellent. Well, mate, it's absolute pleasure speaking to you. It's been far too long. And, uh, yeah, let's do another show, uh, end of the season, look at the draft uh, talent. Anytime, my friend. Anytime. No, thank you very much. I Hopefully we meet for beers in Cleveland. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, as it gets closer, uh, anybody uh, who's from Cleveland and Brown's Twitter or is going to be there will uh, try to figure something out and... Uh, you know, maybe uh, maybe you'll uh, bring your equipment and we'll do like a live broadcast after everybody's got six beers in them or something. Mate, that could be hilarious. <laughs> All right, let's try and do it. All right, I'm you in. take care. Go Browns. <laughs>